your hand okay, sir? Oh, yes. Here it is. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, I think we'll go ahead and begin. Uh, two announcements. One is uh, Tony is willing to pay you if you stole his clipboard. Um, no, he said it was in a pew and it got might have got moved or something. So if you see a clipboard around, Tony had it and it's gone now. So uh, that's one. Number two, I we we're, we're meeting in the media center at three o'clock. So I yeah, we'll start there. If it gets too big, we'll move to the basement. I think I've said we were starting in the basement last time. So if you show up, we'll show you. But no, we'll, we'll start in the media center and then if if it gets too big, we'll move down here. Okay. All right, well, let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, please guide us with your light and your spirit as we read your word so that we would receive all that you would give us in your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. All right, well, as you see, uh, I just printed out the whole chapter. Um, don't tell New King James. I'm sure this is against copyright, but uh, I, the reason I did it was... I. Okay, all right. Uh, he uh, is uh, to highlight for you the things of faith. So this whole chapter, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, again, I, I don't know how long he was preaching this sermon. I haven't, I haven't actually read through and, like, timed it. But if this was a sermon, I'm guessing, what, 30 minutes? I don't know, 50? <laughs> so uh, imagine listening for this whole sermon as you're sitting there, you know. Wasn't the book of Romans a, a single sermon? I mean, I, I so, so. It was a letter. It was a letter, right. Well, let's just say that our attention spans aren't as big. But, uh, but this is him expounding on faith. And each of the, each of the bold in sections are a description of faith. What it does or what it is. Um, so I just thought it was, uh, you know, sort of a neat thing, and, and I wanted to highlight for you, and, and this is sort of how I want to go through it and address these things as we go. Um, so last week we we finished uh, with Hebrews 10, speaking of what it is that we're doing in the church. Um, so just a, a little review of both um, what we're to be doing, but also. Uh, in the end, what we hold on to. And that's why he goes into this whole, what is faith? Um, so if you, you have your Bible, you can look at this. If not, I'll read it to you. So this is in chapter 10. We've come all the way from the beginning, Jesus speaking, telling us who he is, the work he's done. And now he tells us, okay, this is the second testament. The first one had to be fulfilled by Jesus. He fulfilled it, and now the second testament is that he is giving it to us as a gift. It's mercy. Um, but now we see, starting at uh, verse 19, uh, Therefore, brethren, I'm in chapter 10, uh, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, and I'm going to skip to 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our, our hope. And then 24, let us consider one another, not forsaking assembling. So this is having all these things. We draw near to God. We uh, 
So we draw near, we hold fast, and we gather together. So, so that's sort of where we left it last time. And then we also dealt with how we can be separated from it. Sin separates us from drawing near, from holding fast, and from the assembly. But in the end of that, uh, so I'm, I'm at verse 32 now. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. One thing we must keep in mind as Christians is we are not to be stuck on this earth and this life now. We put our minds on the eternal things, not things that are shaken. The form and the shape of this world are passing away. And so uh, when, we, when we read things like this, when you were illuminated, you endured great struggle with sufferings. Why is it that when we become illuminated, as in the light of Christ is now in us, why is it then that we have great struggle with sufferings? Why is it that after we have the light of Christ, all of a sudden we start suffering? Yes, the world is against Christ. Yes? Yeah, yeah, we, we forget. There's a reason why the section in our hymnal that a mighty fortress is in is called the church militant. We are in a struggle. And you are on a side. And that side is the side of Jesus. But being with Jesus means you will suffer with him. And all the things that he endured, you too will endure. And what did Jesus suffer while he was on earth? What did he suffer? Well, crucifixion, that was the end, right? That was the, you know, the, the bitter end. Um, what else did he suffer? Just sort of think about how... What? Yeah, he was humiliated constantly. Oh, hey, weren't you the son of some adulterous thing? You know, aren't you, aren't you, don't you have a demon? I don't know, I don't know if someone has accused you of that lately. <laughs> but I, let's just say that it's not really kind to, t to ask someone the question, hey, by the way, aren't you possessed by the devil? Just, just wondering. Uh, this, is, this would be an, an awful insult. Right? Um, and, and this is what we, uh, I mean, if anything, we've sort of encountered this in the world when sort of the world devours itself. But, um, you know, in politics today, you know, what, muckraking, right? I mean, that's what we do. We just throw dirt. Um, but if, if you are in the kingdom of Christ, then you better be ready because everything in this world wants to overcome you. Uh, because it's the devil and the world, because they have a singular purpose. What is the singular purpose of the devil in the world? Take you away from Christ. Oh, well, yes, yes. But I don't know, you know, uh, the devil maybe, and, and even, even the world would want that. Um, but why do they want that? Yeah, yeah. What do they want to do with their power and control? Yeah. And if you want to be like God, what do you have to do to God? Kill him. Right? And that's what they did. That's what they did to Jesus. So, uh, so this then is the setting in which we're having to hold fast. Because, again, it's, it's not like, um, oh, 
when you're, you're having a nice walk on a nice summer's day and, and someone asks you to hold their keys or something, you know, oh yeah, I'll hold on to that, you know. That's a little different uh, than when you have to hold on for dear life uh, just to a rope as you're drowning, right? That's a different story. Um, and that then is part of the story that we are in. That is our reality. We need an anchor. We need to hold on and hold fast because we are going to struggle and suffer, but that will not overcome us. And this is the great glory of it, is that what happens at the end? We win. We always win. But it doesn't always look that way because the way to that victory is through what? Through death, ultimately, right. And, and before death, suffering. Yeah, yeah, Tony. Um, when we studied Wingwing uh, a week ago Saturday, mm -hmm. one of the biggest points that was brought out just stuck with me, and it said, no matter what our age, the most important aspect of our life is yet to come. That is That's right. our death and what comes beyond that. That's right, yeah. Because now, all things have been done. When Jesus said it's finished, it's actually done. It's finished. And so the purpose for us still being here is what? Why are we still here? To be the light and the salt. Yeah, to be the salt and the light in the world. You are the light, right? Um, so we endure that struggle knowing that others, too, are getting into the boat. Right? And, and we are part of that mission, then, um, is that God would have us love our neighbor. That's what's left, to love our neighbor. Because everything's done for us. Everything's won for us. We have salvation. There's nothing left to do in the sense of ourselves. So what do we do? We serve our neighbor. We love God and we love our neighbor. All right, so that, that's sort of the context here. Again, we're enduring a struggle, right? And, and that's, where, that's where faith comes in. Faith is the substance of things we can't see. All right, uh, so that was verse 32. Um, let's go uh, to verse 35. Oh, no, I'm sorry, verse 34. For you had compassion on me and my chains, this is Paul, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. So now, again, we, we endure all the sufferings knowing that we have something better in heaven and that all the things in this world are not to be compared with it. So we endure the plundering of our goods. Verse 35, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. 36, we, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet, yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of our soul. So our faith has an object in mind, and we wish to arrive there. 
So now, with that in mind, let's go to uh, chapter 11. Um, so yeah, the, the sheet in front of you is chapter 11. It's the whole chapter there. Um, but again, I've put you know, in, in bold the things that are speaking about faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, so that's what it is. That's what faith is. Um, what does it mean to be a substance of things hoped for? And if you have another translation, you can use it. I, I don't know what, uh, what your translation may say. What does that mean, to be a substance? Mine has assurance. Ah, the assurance of things hoped for. Yeah, okay. Confidence. Okay. So, so, so what, is the, what does it mean to, to have a substance and confidence? What is that? Why are those two together? We're sure of it. Yeah, right? When you, when you have something, you know, I mean, I, if someone asked me, oh, do you, are you holding a Bible? I'd say, yeah, I have the substance. It's right here. Right? Um, so the word is to stand under, to be a foundation to have a substance, um, but it can also be to stand firm. Right? Because, of course, what's the nature of a foundation is to stand firm. And so that's why you have the word confidence um, or the word assurance. Right? So that then, faith is that you have a, a eager, Luther translates this in his German Bible as eager expectation. You have an eager expectation of the things hoped for. Um, but again, I, I, I like the idea of a substance because it, I think it captures that you already have it now. You're so certain of it, you have it now. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like with the hope here, it's not like I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow, but our hope is actually based on a promise that we believe. Right. So in that, in that sense, it's something you can grasp. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's the substance. So then your faith is holding on to those things which are hoped for. And what is that? What, what, is, what is the substance then that you're holding on to? It's Christ. Where is he? What? His promise, yeah. His word. This is the word. And this then is what he's been saying the whole time. But now, faith is the substance of this. So then all of our Christian life is wrapped up in faith. That's the substance of our Christianity, is that faith is holding on to those things, a great assurance of the things hoped for, a uh, reliance on the promise. But again, what does that mean then? Uh, what, is the, what is the nature of our belief? What, what, are, we, what are we doing as Christians? We're, yeah, we're looking, we're, we're, we're following the word. I was going to say that uh, faith is uh, proof without physical evidence. Right, right. It, and, and how do you have proof without seeing something? Yeah, it's, it's got to be someone guaranteed it to you. Right? So you're so certain about this person and their guarantee that you're willing to... We actually do this all the time in our, in our lives. Um, what do we do? We give our word and then we get something. 
a contract or a loan, right? They're saying, okay, I mean, this is why, uh, what, what do you have to have to get a, to get a loan? Collateral. Collateral, yeah. But what, what is credit. You gotta have credit. It's sort of a funny thing, credit, because you know, I mean, you you can find your credit score, right? There's like a million commercials about this. Um, but what is a credit score? What does it really say? You're, well, yeah, you're good at borrowing. Yeah, that that a credit score is basically saying you're trustworthy. It's it's saying you're trustworthy. So if you're trustworthy, then what are people willing to do? Give you money, right? That's the whole point. So, so next time you see the credit score, you, you know, oh, hey, look, you know, this is this is what faith is. <laughs> um, but but it, it's a good example of what we're doing in faith. We lend God then what? What do we? So, if God is trustworthy, what are we lending Him? Us, ourselves, everything that we have. We're entrusting it to Him. That's what trust is. That I trust God with everything. And this also means if I, if I choose not to give God something or not to trust him with something, what am I saying about God? His credit score is a little low, right? He, he's, he's like a 600, right? So, so what, what should we be willing to entrust to God? Everything, right? That this is, you know, that's the point. Is faith is the substance of things hoped for, as in I have and give everything to the Lord, a full assurance, a full confidence that I trust in Him, and the things that are hoped for, I'll put everything into that. Yeah, Gary. I think the reason that the word substance has been used, especially in the King James Bible, is that we have faith, we have Christ, we know that. But people who we meet and who we talk and who we witness to don't see Christ. And so we tell them, you shall know, like the sentence, you shall know them by their fruits. Why is their fruit? Because it is built to do that. That's the substance of it. Yeah. And you can look at a tree and you may not know what it does, but when you look at the fruit, you can tell. Most trees have some kind of fruit very for things and flowers that come up. So I think that this, this, is, this is preaching to the Hebrews to tell them that what we have, the substance, the very being that we have, is the faith that we have in Christ. And that's important for the Hebrews because they had it in their word that they carried with them in the Torah, but they didn't believe it. That's right. That's right. They wanted yeah. to show me a miracle. That's why there was the problem with show me a miracle. They wanted to see a physical thing. And they're saying the physical thing that comes from you is, is essentially defined by the Holy Spirit that gives you this faith. Right, right. And, and, and what is the opposite of faith? Doubt. Yes. And, uh, and if I doubt that someone is going to do something for me, what am I going to do? I'm going to do it myself. It works. Right? So, so if, if, I, if I have to do it myself, I don't trust the other person to do it. If I have to save myself, what am I saying about God? Yeah, you can't save me, right? That's what works are actually telling God. I got to do this, Lord. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus' blood was worth, it was worth a lot, just not enough to save me. We don't want to say that. <laughs> Faith is the substance 
Faith is, is then what we are made of in that we look forward to the things that are going to be given to us. Um, so uh, another way of putting faith is, faith is that we recognize the office and merit of Jesus and we, uh, so we recognize this office, we recognize Jesus as true. So that's number one. Number two is, I apply it to myself. So that's also why it's the substance, because I, I have those things now. I have eternal life now. I have salvation now. It's brought into the present. So it's the substance of the things hoped for. I have it even now, because I have Christ now. Now, in the other way, going to the confidence, I'm confident of those things in which I hope for because of the one who promises. Right? So both of them, it's sort of a, what do they call it, a pregnant word. Right? It allows both to be the case. Okay, so that's what it is, what faith is. It's also the evidence of things not seen or the proof of things not seen. Some, uh, some translations say conviction. It's the conviction of things not seen. So things hoped for, things not seen. And that is why it can be very difficult. Because um, when I am suffering, why is this a contradiction of what I, of, of what I really... Um, why is it a contradiction to me in my mind when I suffer as a Christian? Why does that seem wrong? Because God loves us. Yeah. Yeah, he loves us, right? And, 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 and he promised us eternal life. And what's happening to me? I'm dying. What's going on? So, so then the point that he's making is that it's coming. So the nature of faith, first is I'm not doing it myself. Someone else is doing it. Second is, it's looking forward to something. I don't have it yet. But I trust that it's going to be given to me. Um, so be, now, because of this nature of faith, now all this other stuff is going to happen. So, yeah. And maybe just to follow up on that, then the evidence is that a Christian is cheerful in suffering. Yeah, right, there, right. There's an evidence that what God has said is true as exhibited by his faith. Yeah, his faith yeah. changes the nature right. of suffering right. from being God's punishment to a sign of being his son. Yeah, yeah. and, and he's going to do this now. He's going to unpack this both, but in it not only suffering, but also in our day-to-day -day lives in this world. So in everything now, we're, we're doing things that look so strange. Abraham goes to a land that's not his own, but don't worry, it's going to be yours. But he never acts like it's his. And Moses, right? He, he, he rejects God. All these things and stack up as evidence of the faith that makes us act like this world is not the end. And that these sufferings have a conclusion. Yeah. In the next line, that's why the elders obtained a good testimony. Right. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so now, b based on this, so we're going to see then what is the substance and what is the evidence. So, so if you can imagine a lawyer building a case, right? And this is the great part. As you're reading through this, um, the pattern is creation up, up through, so creation through, um, through Abraham, 
And then you're gonna, and then he jumps to, uh, to to Moses. No, I'm sorry, creation through the patriarchs. He jumps to Moses, and then Moses through the prophets. Uh, and and so we have creation, the Torah, and then the so it's all the Old Testament. Um, and all this timeline then shows you that nothing has changed from the creation of the world all the way to now. And so as we trace this, we're actually tracing all of history and how faith is, has unfolded through all of history. All right. So, for by it the elders obtained a good testament. So verse 2. Uh, now, you notice the, the words I'm highlighting are what faith is doing. Because they just say it all the time. So he doesn't keep on... Sometimes he'll say faith. Sometimes he'll say by faith. But I like to see the, the actual thing being done. Okay, so, so what, is, what does faith do in verse 2? It obtains a good testimony. So verse 2 is obtains a good testimony. That's all right. You, you skipped. It obtains a good testimony. What does it mean to have a good testimony? Yeah. So what is faith doing when it obtains for me a good witness? So first of all, what is a witness? Someone who substantiates you. Yeah. So then, I saw this happen. so I can see the elders and their faith got for them the witness of other people to say they are good. They are in the faith. So what does faith do then to others? It convinces them. It convinces them. They say, oh, you must be a Christian. And it's true. People know, Jesus said this, they will know they're Christians by their love, right? To, to be salt and light, again, if salt is in something, you know it. Especially if it's too much, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so this then is what the nature of a Christian is, is you're going to be known, but what makes you known? Now what we do. Our faith. Our faith makes us know. Now it's true. Our faith works out in what we do. So I, I don't mean to. I, I don't mean to discredit that. Um, but but this is what happens: is is our faith is the source of that doing. So you're right. What, the things we're doing are because of faith, so that they see who we trust in. And Jesus says this, right? They'll see your good works, and then what will they do? They'll give glory to who? To your Father who is in heaven, right? Now, now, of course, what we want is, well, you know, why, why don't I get a reward, God? Can I get some credit here? No, no credit for you. But, the, but notice then, other people will see this. And even now, people are beginning to see this more and more because it's becoming less common. So in America, we had a wonderful, I mean, it, it was, truly was wonderful that in America for so long, so many people went to church. That's why we could claim ourselves as a Christian nation um, because so many people would go to church on a Sunday. And this is bearing witness to what people actually believed in. Now, it's true, there are other things uh, that, that we, we can't judge everyone's personal faith just because they showed up to church on Sunday. However, that is a fruit of faith. And so we may most certainly say, well, that person clearly believes something's going on there. Right? Um, 
So this is what's happening around us as people are seeing our faith. And it's obtaining for us a good testimony. Now, a good testimony also is in a court. So who is in the court? Who's the judge? Who's, who is the judge, though? God is. That's our good testimony. We have obtained a good testimony, not just among men, but before God. And of course, that's the most important one. Right? So that's what faith does in verse 2. In verse 3, what is faith doing? Yeah, and this is, this is a strange thing. You know, because a lot of people say, well, faith means that you're ignorant. Right? Faith means you're ignorant. Because, why? Why do people say that? Why, does, why do people say, well, you know, you, you, have, you, you believe this, but you can't, you know, you can't prove it. Yeah. I think the reason it seems like the faithful are ignorant is because I think Luther touches this in his little diatribe and bondage and will. People have will. They have it's their own sense of intelligence. And so they think that, well, I can find it on my own. But they don't because they don't listen to God's word. Yeah. So therefore they don't have it. Right. But if you listen to them, it's sort of like with the parables we were talking about. With the parables, some people are told things, but they're not going to learn it because they don't have faith. Yep. And they have to go through things in order to get that faith. Whereas the, 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 the apostles... And, and, and disciples were able to hear God's word and be motivated by the Holy Spirit to understand what we're doing. That's right, yeah. So so this this is a this is explaining a mystery. Go ahead. And, and what you said in your sermon today too is so relevant to this that, that we ignore the, the progress of the world. That that we can improve sexual relationships by expanding it to homosexuality and that sort of thing. And how can you be so ignorant? to go against all this scientific research to say that all these things are not only bene- are not only acceptable but beneficial. Right. And how how can you uh, judge uh, people on the basis of that old book and ignore what modern science is telling you about all this? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 then they'll use faith as sort of a foil to say, well because you think differently than I do, you're ignorant. Right? Um, but really that's childish and, and even a form of foolishness um, because cause you're not actually addressing the problem. You're just, you're just saying, you think differently than me, therefore you're wrong. And what does that make me? It makes me God because I decide what's right and wrong. Right? Um, all right, so, so let, let's dig into verse 3 here. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Well, this creates a big problem for the way we think of the world today. Because why? What is the number one science in America? Evolution. And it is the biggest lie that has ever been told. And it is on every plaque in our nation that explains anything when it comes to canyons or dinosaurs or whatever. And it's a constant eroding because what is the logic of evolution? Based on this verse, what does it do wrong? What is it, how does it turn this on its head? It eliminates creation? Yes, yes. But, but with, with, what is it doing with the things that are visible? 
Yeah, it, it, it says only things that are visible can make things. And what does that mean about things that are invisible? They don't exist. They don't exist, period. So nothing that is invisible exists. Only things that are visible exist. And therefore, uh, this is materialism. It means that nothing outside of the physical things matter. Um, so anything that you have, whether that be morals or faith or whatever it might be, values, are meaningless. They are meaningless. And you are meaningless. Because what could give you meaning? I mean, this is, this is really the, the um, supposition of the world. If those who take this tack, those who say evolution is true, cannot escape the idea that that means that there is no values in the world. Everything is just an illusion. And, and words have no value. Then. Words have no value. They have no meaning. If, if certain people were here, including myself, Gnosticism. <laughs> Right. Equals false and false equals true. Life equals death and death equals life. Right. You have to get above those things because they're all meaningless. Right. They're just artificial constructs. Yeah. And, and and this means that what what then rules the world? Well, no. If he's invisible, man rules the world, and then but who rules among men? The strongest rule. And they even say this. They say the evolution, this is one of the number one principles of evolution. Is the survival of what? So the fact that you know that is disgusting. <laughs> and yet, yet, it's so in us. It's a phrase that everyone knows. If I say the word Darwin, everyone knows what that means. And that is how deep it has been put into our consciousness so that we almost can't escape when, we're, when we hear these things. And even when we hear the things which were seen, or which are seen are not made of things which are visible, Should, almost makes us cringe in our consciousness because we're like, well, is it, oh, what, what about evolution? And even if we're not thinking, well, evolution is true, we think of all the people who think it is true and how this would be against them. Um, so, so by faith, we understand that the world's refrained by the word of God. Um, <clears throat> what is the word of God? Yeah. Yes, yes, but it's his power. Yeah, it, it, it's literally his speaking. That's the word of God. Whatever he says is existence. It frames the world. And of course we know who is the word of God. You already said it. Is Christ. Christ is the frame of the world. Colossians actually spells this out in chapter 1. I just, you know, he is the end and the beginning. Through him all things exist. Uh, he is the substance of all things. Um, and, and nothing can exist without him. So he is the fabric of creation. And there, there's, no, there's no getting away from it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think what Pastor was saying in conjunction with what you're saying uh, with regards to those who don't have faith and believe, is that there is a thing in Gnosticism that which comes from internals from us. Their God is within them, literally. 
that's where they get this uh, higher state. But for us, there's a transcendent God. It's above all things, and therefore we get an externals. Not by us, but from God himself, through his word, which is really, when I mentioned trying to do it, or called it the bondage of the will. That's what Luther was trying to say. with the Rasmus and whatever. God gives us these things. We don't pull it out of ourselves. Right, right. Yeah, and, and these are things we can't know. Because we can't see them. Because why, why can't we know how creation happened? We were there. <laughs> right. We were there, right? I mean, just like if, if we were not there for something else, um, you know, someone would have to give us a testimony of what happened. Um, so God must then be the filler of that gap of our knowledge, and it must be revealed. So, uh, so two other things about this. One is... Um, the understanding of our faith uh, has a, an object. What is it that we understand? What is it that we understand by faith? Uh, creation. We understand creation. Yeah. So we literally understand how the world's reframed. That's what we understand. So, so we, we understand the things around us. We can see. That's what, that's, we can see what's, what is the substance of our world. But also we understand the word of God. So we understand something. We understand God. And he has given us his knowledge of what the world is. All right, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. All right, so here we have three things that faith is doing. Uh, the first thing that faith does is it offers to God excellent sacrifices. Do we still do that today? What is our sacrifice? Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's part of it, yeah. Ourselves. Our, oh, you said our sin? No, ourselves. Well, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm, I was looking at Diana. Uh, uh, so ourself, ourselves, our sin. All right, so let's unpack that. So we, we offer ourselves in one, what? Same thing. Same thing, yeah. <laughs> our sinful selves. Um, yeah, so, so in one aspect, uh, we offer to God uh, our sin in the sense that we confess it to him, right? And, and so, yes, that's absolutely true. We are, um, we, we die to ourselves, right? Um, but the other aspect is now, all that we do have, we recognize as from God, and therefore we give it to him. That's, what, that's the, the direction of faith. Um, so those two things are both true. One is that I'm confessing my sin, but the other is that now that I am alive, been made alive by God, what is life in me, what does it do? What, what, is my, what do I do with my new life? I serve God, right? I, I, so God then is, is my Lord. And that, that is what it means to say Jesus is Lord. That's why no one can lie about it. Because it doesn't matter... Uh, if I say it a million times, if he's not actually ruling over me. Right? Um, so Jesus is Lord is the confession of faith. And it is this, that I offer 
to God an excellent sacrifice. Of course, what are we called in the New Testament? That would be offering sacrifices. What are we called? What's, we're priests. We're a spiritual priesthood. Offering excellent sacrifices to God. So faith then is busy. It's living and active and it's offering things to God. Namely, our entire lives. Everything we are, we offer to God. So that's our excellent sacrifice. Um, and, and notice, it's in comparison. More excellent than Cain. What? Why? Why is it more excellent than Cain's? Why is, why is Abel's sacrifice more excellent than Cain's? Abel gave in faith. In Cain's faith, God, God could see their hearts. Yeah. But God, Cain's faith wasn't pure. God cannot be mocked. And that means, who is the only person who can do a good work that God recognizes? Jesus and the one who has faith. The one in Jesus, right? Believers can do things that God recognizes as good. Because they are made good by what? Faith. Faith makes it holy. It's a holy thing that we offer to God. So it was only because Abel was made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that when he gave this offering to God, it was accepted. Because he had faith. And, you know, this is an amazing thing about our lives as Christians. When we do good works, um, what, what's, so, what's so wonderful about that? What's so wonderful about our good works? Well, that's true. Um, but what is God? Yeah, and what does he think of them? What does God think of your good works? What? Yeah, he loves them. So think of that. I mean, think of every child and all of you being children. What is one of your number one goals in life? To please your parents. Right? But now you get to know that everything you do now is what? Pleasing to God. It pleases your Father in heaven. Of course, I'm not talking about sin, but, but it's pleasing to the Father in heaven. Um, yeah? Yeah, um, what is faith? Faith is believing in the promise and accepting God's promise. The first promise, the most important one, that he gives us in Genesis 3, is that but by the seed of a woman, one would come and would remove our sins from us. And that says everything to everything that's come after that. Do you see my point? Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the physical thing is, the works that we do come from that belief. We can now, instead of being turned into ourselves, we can now turn ourselves out to others. And using, that, using the word of God, we can literally wash the world with God's forgiveness. Whether they'll accept it or not is another thing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and that's the promise that, that Abel had. Right. That's that's the one that he was relying on. Yeah. Yeah. You know the answer. What makes your works good? Yes. How, so the question was, how did Abel believe in the sacrifice of Jesus? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so again, the faith in the Old Testament is that Jesus is coming to do that work. And our faith in the New Testament is that it's done. And, and again, the way the I don't mean to get ahead, but in that passage, it, 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 it seems like we've been talking about the sacrifice that he offered to God on the on the burnt altar, but his his life is also a sacrifice. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and and that's one thing we don't think about in the Old Testament. And, and you're right. So going through through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Um, I, so the, his whole life then is formed by his sacrifice. Because why is he offering something to begin with? Why is Abel putting a lamb on that altar and sacrificing it? Why is he doing that? Atone for sin. Yeah, that, that I think is, is a, um, a remembrance that he needs an atonement. Right? Um, because somehow Adam passed this on. So, and, and I think this points very uh, clearly to the fact that where did Adam and Eve get clothed with animal skins? At the sacrifice of the first animal, which was done by who? God. And he clothed them, and now Cain and Abel are doing exactly what they've seen. They need a clothing, and they're relying on the promise of God. So as a matter of fact, this is a reliance on God's mercy and grace, that he covers them still in their shame, and he further clothes them with a sacrifice. And that sacrifice will be the one who comes and defeats Satan. So all of that then is pointing forward. So their faith is that the son, the seed will come, God will send him, and he will be the savior of the world. He will be a sacrifice for sins. And that this sacrifice is remembering that God and his promise is true. That's faith. Knowing that God promised to take away my sins, and he will do it through one who has come as a seed of a woman. And that was enough. That was their faith. Now, of course, they, get, they have it more and more revealed through time, right? Remember, the, those shadows pointed to the reality. And so they, they were looking forward to Jesus coming. So it is his faith that makes him whole. And, and that's why, in hindsight, we can say his faith was in Christ who was crucified. Right? That's the only faith that saves. Cain's sacrifice was just the wheat or whatever he sacrificed. And he thought he was doing something. Yeah, yeah. He did it. Without faith. Yeah, so, so then clearly, yeah, he, he was thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm making myself righteous. Whatever you insert into that equation, the point is, it's not faith. It's not trusting that God has taken away my sins. It's not trusting that I have sins that God must take away. And so that then is the opposite of faith. That I'm giving God something and you should be pleased with it. And you even notice how Cain reacts to it. When God tells him, sin is crouching at your door, you must overcome it. What was the way that he could overcome sin? Yeah, repent, believe. He had his opportunity and what did he do? He chose the way of the world. Because I want to be the decider of who is righteous. And so if I am the decider, 
then I must eliminate any testimony that's different. God cannot decide. Okay, so he obtained a witness that he was righteous. So again, we have the obtaining. Right? We already had up in verse 1, they obtained a good testimony. Now in verse 4, we have he obtained a witness. So this is still Abel. Um, God testifying of his gifts. So uh, who is testifying? God is. He is the witness. So the obtaining of a good witness is that God is saying, well done. And not just other people. Okay? Um, and finally, this strange saying, through it, that is, through faith, he being dead still speaks. That's just weird. <laughs> what does he say? Yeah, he's speaking to us. Yeah, yeah, he's speaking to us, the faith. How else is he still speaking? I would think through his absence, he is—he's obviously dead and gone. So, God yeah, is pointing out, hey, uh, what was that? Yeah, he, he is speaking to all those who would come after him. And this is sort of the, the trajectory of all the Old Testament, is that those, that's what the fathers spoke. It's what they lived. They were witnesses. They were witnesses, yeah. And so they then speak by their faith to us. He's still speaking even though he's dead. And of course, there's something else related to this. Is what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true too, right? Um, so to, if I have faith, what am I saying to those who don't believe? If I believe in God, what is that a testimony to those who don't believe? That they have no faith and they will be condemned. And this is what, this is, so that, that is exactly, so it really it's a both and, Right? Faith also shows who is condemned. And that's why Paul can say to those who are believing, we are an aroma from life to life, and to those who do not believe, we are an aroma to death. It's, it's a sign of their condemnation. Yeah. Those hymns always come to mind too. Abel's blood for vengeance cries out to the skies, but the blood of Jesus for our pardon cries. So, you know, the, the hymnist is pointing this event of the death of quote-unquote, innocent Abel with the, with the death of innocent Jesus. Right. And that's a great, great tie. Right, and the two testaments are also present there. Right, so, so you have in the Old Testament, or rather in the First Covenant, if that was not, if we did not have a different blood than the blood of Cain, or sorry, the blood of Abel, then we would have nothing but vengeance. Because that's what the First Testament says. You should die. And, and that's actually exactly what happened to Cain, is he said, I can't go forward, they're going to kill me. And God gives him a sign on his head. And that would be another lesson altogether. So we won't go there. All right. So, verse 5. Now, now you'll notice then, we started a creation. We moved to the first Cain and Abel, right? And now we're going next to their history. So Enoch is part of the genealogy of Adam. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found 
because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And I could have even put, had this testimony um, that he pleased God. So he was taken away, um, but without faith it is impossible to please him, that is God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, so, so what does faith do first to Enoch? It took him away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, God gave him faith, but then this, this literally took him off the earth. Does our faith take us away? Yes and no. Yeah, not yet, but also yes. Because all those who have gone before us, what happens to them? What happened to... What? They have a delayed ticket to heaven. <laughs> a delayed ticket to heaven. What? Expand. I'll deal. <laughs> I yield to you. Oh, okay. Well, again, when, when people die before the resurrection, where do they go? They're with Christ. They're at rest. They're with Enoch. They're with Moses. They're with Elijah. They're taken away. Right? So for all those then who go before us, they're, they're, it's part of those who are taken away. Now, of course, Enoch, what was different about his being taken away? He didn't die. Right? But to be fair, will we see death? Yeah. We'll never see it. We'll never see death. We will see Christ. And death means nothing to us. Except that we put off our sin. That's all it means. We will not be conscious of it. Because we will never be separated from Christ. There's not going to be a blank space as if, you know, faith, 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 oh, blank, death. Oh, faith, faith, faith again. No. We always live. And we will be taken away to be with Christ. And this is our great comfort for all those who have gone before us. They were not, just, they didn't just disappear. They were taken away to God. And they did not see death. Uh, and was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So he had a testimony that he pleased God. Again, that's the same as Abel's. Um, he had a witness that he was righteous. But, but, he, but he's unpacking all this. Right? We are pleasing to our Father in heaven. Now, how can anyone please God? Who does God say pleases him in the New Testament? When does he say that? This is baptism. So what does that mean about Enoch's faith? What? Yeah. If Jesus is the only one that can please God, then what did Enoch have? Jesus! He had him. He pleased God. And that's what he's saying. He was clothed with Christ. Faith only has one object that it can cling to, and that is Christ. And so he pleases God. But here is the thing. In verse 6, but without faith, what? No one can please God apart from faith. And what does this mean then for all those, maybe you've heard this before, maybe you've thought this before. Yeah, but that person's a good person. What is our measure of being a good person? 
work? Yeah, usually it's what people do. Yeah, if, so if we're, think, if we're being honest with ourselves, that's what we're saying. Right? If, when I ha say the phrase, yeah, but they're a good person, I'm, I'm thinking of what they've done. Right? And maybe, maybe some romantic vision of my memory of them. Right? What is God's measure of whether or not a person is good? Faith alone. And that means this very strange thing that no matter what a person does, whether it is that they saved uh, a, a little grandma crossing the street, what is it in the eyes of God? It is it's displeasing. It's displeasing. That's, that's a strange thing to think of. That all the righteousness of the world, all the things they can do, in the end, what are they to God? If it's without faith. It is not please Him. Meaning it is what to Him? Filthy rags, yeah. It is displeasing. And that then sets the righteousness of a Christian apart. And what is the only distinction then? Faith. And Jesus, of course. But, but, the, but again, the, the distinction is faith. So that the things I do please God because of faith. And the things that person does displease God because they don't believe. And that is the only distinction. But yes. Right. It's sort of like a it's sort of like a vicious circle because the things you do you do because of faith. You do it because you know God gave you that ability to do it and you're doing it to glorify Him. Right. So without faith, I agree it's a sin. But when, but once you're in faith, you soon still get any credit. Jesus gets all. You're right. Credit. Right. Yeah. Because because then even even in faith. It's not the things that I do uh, that make me pleasing. What makes me pleasing? My faith makes me pleasing, and therefore anything I do in that faith is pleasing. Right? The good that I do now in that faith is pleasing to God. Um, okay, so without faith is impossible to please Him. Um, and, and this then is why it's impossible without faith. And I'm in verse 6 now. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's just sort of stating obvious things, but yeah. Okay, so... Um, right, right, right. Yeah. So, so then, uh, so, so I, I, I take it what you're what you're trying to say is, if someone sought God outside of the Scriptures, would that mean that somehow, you know, they would find God there? And we don't want to say that, right? Um, okay. So uh, again, this is in verse six. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now, this this is sort of uh, self defeating in in one way, because in order to come to God, what do you have to do? He says it right there. You have to believe it at first. Right? So, so faith is actually a requirement for what? 
coming to God. Faith is the requirement for coming to him, and faith is also then the next requirement, which is diligently seeking him. Yeah? Uh, one illustration I've heard about this that I think is apt is that you know, our relationship with God is as our father. And one illustration I've heard is that, that a, a circumspect child who's not sure of what he's doing and is in the room with his father will sort of creep over to something and then look and see if father is smiling or not at it. And if father is not smiling, then he's sort of warned and circumspect and not doing it, as opposed to the renegade child who's just off doing all that he wants. But that's sort of an illustration of a Christian who's always asking himself, Father, are you pleased with this? I want to act to, to be pleasing with you. Right. And so they, they seek the Father's will and his approval in his word. Right. Uh, and don't willy-nilly go on where their flesh wants to take them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think, um, Elaine, there, there's some things that uh, we make a jump sometimes in the scriptures, and we jump outside of them. So in the context, when it says that... In order to come to him, we believe that he is. This isn't saying, I believe that there is a God. Because that would be a jumping outside of the context. I have to believe that he is. Who is he? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This singular God. I have to believe that one. So then, of course, the scriptures are going to be the only way he speaks. So, so yeah, the, the problem is if we read this and say, well, there are seekers. There are no seekers. All are dead and rebellious to God. You cannot come to God without the Holy Spirit. That is an impossibility. You are dead. And if God does not make you alive again, you will die forever. But that's, that's one of the deceptions of the church today, um, is some people say, well, we need a seeker service. And that's actually where some of the, the, you know, the worship wars were born out of. Well, you know, this stuff is hard to understand for people who come and visit. Therefore, let's have some easy music for them to sing or something along those lines. Um, but again, the point is not that people are seeking Jesus. What is the real point? He's seeking them. And he will do so. How? Through his word, the word rightly proclaimed, the pure gospel given. And then he will make out of dead people, what? Alive people. So, so going back to, to verse 6 then, and we'll conclude with that. Uh, For he who comes to God must believe that he is. So faith is required to come to God. And remember, this is in the context of Enoch. Right? So he, came, he literally <laughs> flew to God. Right? Um, he must believe that he is and uh, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the nature of faith is to do what? Seek diligently seek God. And of course, we, he, already, he already said that. Right? And, and, but, but he is giving Enoch as an example. He diligently sought God so much so that this earth was nothing to him and he took him into heaven. That then is what we are looking for. A city that's not here. And this is the trajectory of the rest of these, is that they're not looking at things on earth. There's nothing for us here. We are strangers and foreigners, and it's not our kingdom. We're going to heaven. That's the, that's the goal. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Dear Heavenly Father, fill us with faith that we might seek you. Give us your Holy Spirit always. In Jesus' name, amen.